Welcome to The Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Thank you for joining me today for this message about true freedom. Because we all feel stuck sometimes. Things in our lives seem to stop us. You might feel stuck in your job. You might have some people, some relationships in your life that are holding you back. Sometimes we have habits that we just can't stop doing. Mindsets we can't shake. Just the general life circumstance, just that getting up in the morning and remembering what's going on, we can feel trapped. So we go to these things to try to escape, to try to feel better. Or we pursue the things that we think we need to get out of the hole. We find other ways to make money. We try to make other relationships or end ones we think aren't cut the relationships part. We sign up for support groups and look for things. Sometimes we try to distract ourselves out of it. You know, I've talked on this show before about video games and some people go to alcohol or some people do other things, painting, reading. We all do things to try to not feel stuck. But what we frequently forget is where freedom comes from to begin with. And that freedom comes from Jesus. That freedom is internal. And today I just want to work us through one story to talk about this. It's found in Acts chapter 16. Now we're going to start reading in verse 25, but I want to give the context before this, which starts in verse 16. Paul and Silas met a girl who had a divining spirit. She was a fortune teller. And she was a slave, so she this spirit would make money for the person that owned her. So Paul's walking by, and the girl calls him out for who he is, servants of God. She looks at Paul and Silas and says, these are servants of God. And you would think that this is like promotion. In America, we have the sort of, any publicity is good publicity. At least your name is out there. This is that. And Paul gets fed up. Verse 18, this goes on for days. And the ESV actually puts it this way. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turns and said, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. We don't often think about God moving through annoyance, do we? But Paul is annoyed. Paul casts out a demon because he's irritated. It kind of feels a little like the story of Jonah. Because he's told to go, doesn't want to go, gets on the boat, there's a big storm, gets, tells them it's his fault. They throw him overboard, he gets eaten by the fish, he goes to Nineveh, and at that point he's just like, fine. And he says one thing, the city gets saved, and then he gets annoyed, and he pieces out. Paul's just like, I cannot deal with this spirit talking about me like this one more day. And let's just think about that in our lives for a second. Because I think we all have or have had 
something in our lives that on the surface doesn't appear bad, but underneath is a real problem. Because this spirit is basically being Paul's hype man. Paul and Silas, these are servants of the Most High God. Sounds like something people would listen to. Especially since the girl in this area had this reputation for telling the future. So the people in this area are going to listen. And then they'll listen to Paul. But Paul's not having it. Because on the surface, yeah, it's good to get promotion. But underneath, it's not coming from God. It's coming from the enemy. And that is not a source of blessing. Period. That fruit is not good fruit. So, Paul gets annoyed. Cast the demon out of the girl. Her owners notice she can't tell the future anymore. They get Paul and Silas, drag him in front of the rulers, drag them in front of the rulers, and say, These guys are causing trouble. We need to throw them in jail. And they get beaten and then put in jail. And not just in like normal jail. They go to the inner prison. Now, I don't know this as a historical fact. The way this is written, this sounds like a place that wasn't like the general population. This is where you sent the really bad people. It even says they fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're locked up in a bad, bad spot. But he didn't do anything wrong, except in the eyes of the people, they had hurt their chances to make money. Paul healed a girl, which is good, but they saw it as bad because it hurt their greed. And that's the thing about doing God's will about following God's plan, is the people around you, the people who see it, they may not react favorably if it affects their sin condition. I just watched a video on Facebook about a guy who cut people in line to the grocery store. And we all remember as kids, you're told to not cut. Cutting in line is a cardinal sin in school, and it sticks with us when we get older. But in this video, he cuts the people in line to say, oh, I got in front of you, but that's because I'm going to pay for your groceries. And they did. They stood there and paid for their groceries. It even shows one guy, he cuts him, he pays for his groceries, and then that guy says, well, since he paid for my groceries, I'm going to pay for the next person in line. See, to the people that were in the line, what the guy did was a bad thing. But it turned out to be a good thing. So these people think Paul and Silas have done some great evil. Except they free a girl from spirit. So now let's get to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, 
and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped because he would have been tortured and beaten and then eventually killed. But Paul cried in a loud voice, verse 28, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed God. Okay, that's a long passage. Earthquake happens. All the cells unlock. And if you've watched any jailbreak on TV, any movie with a jailbreak scene, when all the cells open, all the prisoners bolt. And the jailer, expecting this to happen, it says he woke up. There's an earthquake. And it makes it sound like this guy just casually wakes up. Because he wakes up and he sees the cells are open and assumes everyone has left. Now it's midnight, it's dark. This is sort of a reasonable conclusion the guard comes to. So he's going to kill himself because he knows what the punishment is for letting all the prisoners free. But Paul stops him. None of the prisoners left. Not just Paul and Silas didn't leave. Verse 25 says they were singing and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas aren't the only people in the jail. We talked before about how what we do impacts the people around us, and we need to remember that. So Paul and Silas are singing, this earthquake happens, everybody could be free, but everybody stays. Why? Why do Paul and Silas stay? Well, let's go to the jailer's assumption. He assumed everybody left, and if they had, he would be dead. You see, I'm not sure that God's plan was ever to actually free Paul and Silas via the earthquake. I think his plan was to free the jailer and the prisoners from their bondage to sin. Because the real freedom was not leaving the jail. Paul and Silas were already free because Jesus freed them. And when we read the things that Paul does after his conversion, he has a fairly singular focus, spreading the gospel, telling people about Jesus so they can be free because they're in jail. There's no no freedom there. Paul and Silas didn't need to walk outside. They were bringing Jesus into the jail and freeing everyone. Because the jailer gets saved and then the jailer takes care of Paul and Silas and then him and his household get saved and they get baptized and they rejoice and they get to eat. And then the jailer brings them back to jail. But let's keep reading. But when it was day, The magistrate sent the police, saying, let those men go. 
And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, But Paul? I'm sorry, Paul, you do understand that you were just told you were free to go, right? This would be the jailer's argument. But you're free. Why are you arguing now? Well, here's why. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard them say. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Why did Paul argue? Why make this point? To make the magistrates come down and take them out of prison themselves. Mind you that Paul spent a fair amount of the night rejoicing and preaching and baptizing people. Not in prison, but then he goes back because that's where they put him. And the jailer is going to get in trouble if suddenly these two guys are not there. So why fuss? Well, in my opinion, it was to bring glory to God. And I know, I know, a preacher saying this happened in the Bible to bring glory to God is basically the kid in Sunday school who is asked to describe a horse-like animal with white and black stripes, and the kid says, well, I know it's a zebra, but we're in Sunday school, so I'm going to say the answer is Jesus. I realize this is really obvious. But there's a specific sort of injustice that Paul's trying to fix here. And that does get fixed. Because they had done something in the name of Jesus. They'd freed the girl. And people saw this. And then they also saw them get beaten and dragged to jail. Which, from a publicity standpoint, makes it look like that following Jesus is going to get you in big trouble. That it's going to put you in bondage. Because that's what happened. They went straight to jail. From what we can tell, this is the next day. So a lot of those same people are going to be out shopping, working, talking, going about their daily lives. And the Bible version of water cooler talk, for some people, is going to include this story about these two men who did this thing in the name of Jesus, and then they got dragged to jail. But then the magistrates show up and apologize in in person take Paul and Silas out of jail. What does that say to those people who saw everything happen the day before? It says the magistrates were wrong. Based on the order that things are written here, the apology didn't happen publicly, but the release of them from prison did. 
We all know the phrase, actions speak louder than words. And to be released from prison less than 24 hours later is an action that says, everything we just did to these guys was wrong. Which, if you connect it all the way back to where the story starts, means that following Jesus isn't wrong. It doesn't put you in bondage. It's a very symbolic way of saying, you guys did nothing wrong, which we already know is true, but now everybody sees it. Not only that, we don't see Paul or Silas give any kind of sermon, reach out to any of the people. We don't see any evangelism happen from them. But now the jailer and his house are saved. They can do the evangelism. Paul and Silas were told to leave. They left. I think Paul and Silas would have stayed in jail. Willingly. Because I'll say this again, the freedom wasn't about getting out of jail. The freedom was internal. It wasn't about their circumstances. It was about the power of God in their lives. And it was about showing that. Showing the saving grace of God to as many people as possible. And when you make the people who publicly humiliated you come out and basically say, we were wrong, that's big. You think people didn't go to the jailer, the jailer's family, to Lydia and the brothers? Hey, what happened? That's what the freedom is. This is a story about the power of God and the effect it can have when everything goes sideways. Paul's annoyed by a spirit, calls upon Jesus to boot the spirit, spirit goes away. Then him and Silas get beaten and thrown in jail. They've had better days. The power of God hits again. There's an earthquake. They could have left, they didn't. Because the power of God needed to be put into the jailer's life and his household, and it was. And then they go back to jail, and then they could be free, and Paul's like, no, make them come free us, and they do. And it comes up a lot in these stories about Paul where he says, I'm a Roman citizen. That means a lot. Because a Roman citizen, as opposed to just one of the people in the Roman Empire that Rome conquered, an actual Roman citizen has rights. Scary ones. Because Rome had all the power. Had all the power except over one thing, and that's God. And by the power of God, Paul was a Roman citizen. And so the magistrates come and take them out. And it was shown to all the people who witnessed it that the power of God is real. And it makes men do things that they wouldn't normally do. Because I would bet those people had never seen the magistrates come down and release somebody from prison in person. Because of the power of God, Paul and Silas were not bound. They weren't stuck. They were in prison, but they weren't trapped. 
Because the real freedom is internal. The real freedom comes from God. The little girl at the beginning of the story does not get freed from that spirit if not for the power of God. Us. You know how hard it is to kick a bad habit on your own? You know how hard it is to kick a bad habit with support? Finding a new job is tough. Making money when there's not a lot of money out there to be made or doesn't seem like there's ever enough. It's tough. It seems impossible. And you have to do those things. I am not saying do not take practical steps to improve, to get out of this situation, but we can't let ourselves get overwhelmed by it to the point where we forget what God does. That no matter the circumstances, no matter how stuck we are, no matter how stuck we think we are when we're really not, no matter what, freedom isn't about your bank account. It's not about escaping. It's about the attitude. It's about the mindset towards God. Because God knows what we need. He knows what we want and he knows what we need. We very rarely get what we want, but he will always give us what we need. And that is freedom. And if you don't know what that freedom's like, now's the time. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Lord, forgive me, a sinner. See, we all need that power. We all need that grace. And God gives it to us. Do you accept it? Will you accept it? Because the power to get unstuck comes from God. The true freedom is in him. And when you follow him, all of those other things, they work. They work out. God will give you the strength to break the habit. God will open the door to the right job, to the right source of income. God will align the people in your life to align with what you need to be doing. You'll gain some people, you'll lose some people. But it all starts with him. You can't brute force it. We all know what it's like to try to force yourself out of being stuck. It doesn't work. It's like trying to struggle your way out of quicksand. God is the rope. and He pulls us out. Don't look at the prison that you feel like you're in. Look at the God who holds the key and take the freedom that you can have no matter what your circumstances are. Let's close with some prayer. God, we thank you that you free us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that no matter what our lives look like to us, your vision is clear. Help us to know your will. Help us to focus on how you want us to behave, on what you want us to do. Not on what we want, what you want us to do. And help us to have the confidence to know, to remember that you are bringing us out of our pit, out of our prison. You are freeing us. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Until next time, remember that God has the freedom that we need.